Your stories don't define you. How you tell them will. Hi, I'm Sarah Elkins, your host and chief storymaker of Elkins Consulting. Many of my clients reach out to me because they're in transition. Their children are hitting milestone ages. They want more from their work. They're hitting a big number birthday. And they want to develop clarity about their natural strengths, what their next adventure might look like. In this series, you'll hear me ask my guests questions to dig deeply into the stories that shaped their lives, stories that uncover patterns and may unveil insights into dissatisfaction and also where their strengths lie and where they found and continue to find joy. This podcast's intention is to have listeners think of their own related stories and how they tell them, discovering the internal messages that are limiting their success and discovering how to shift their stories so they become positive life lessons to move them forward. If you're curious about what it would be like to work with me, visit elkinsconsulting.com and schedule a one-time 90-minute StrengthsFinder session. Joel Morgan came to me via an introduction by our mutual friend, Stephen Megling, who wrote a post um, on Elephant Journal many years ago that caught my attention. And ever since reading that post, I've connected with him and then this um, guest for today, Joel Morgan, and I am so grateful for the way things just connect, which is kind of the theme of this episode of Your Stories Don't Define You, How You Tell Them Well. Joel, thank you so much for joining me today. Good to be here. Well, we've known each other quite a while, and you hosted me on your podcast, Dropping Keys, which I loved because it was such a different take. You read a poem to me, and we dissected it. And um, what's interesting is that I remember taking AP English and doing that with poetry and with Hamlet and with Othello and finding it really fascinating how one person can read something and then you hear it out loud. And there are so many different interpretations of one thing. So thank you for introducing me to that again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, that's that's the beautiful part of of that of the Dropping Keys podcast is that every person that you read that poem to, they immediately have a visceral reaction to it, as well as a mental reaction to it, as well as an intellectual reaction to it, and then we just we just roll on from wherever that takes us. And I, and you know me well, like I, I just love sort of being in that moment with people and being able to then ask, um, you know, as we know, open ended questions about what they've been shared and and all that sort of thing. And so I've got some great uh, guests coming up that I just have been listening to. And um, one is a very wild ride from um, mushrooms all the way to the fourth dimension. So it's oh, really, really fun. <laughs> you never know what you're going to get. With your yeah, podcast. you never know. And I love it. You know, she's a dear friend and I just, I didn't know all this history about her and boy, we really got into it. So it was super fun. Yeah, I love conversations and stories just like you do. That's so cool. Well, and for our listeners, um, you'll want to look up Dropping Keys, hosted by Joel Morgan, when you finish listening to this episode. So, Joel, you know how I always start this. Um, Would you please share something with our listeners that most people might not know about you that we wouldn't find on your LinkedIn profile or your resume or your bio? Well, there are a lot of them that probably aren't fit for podcasts, Um, but... (laughs) Uh, but one of them is my dad grew up on, um, on Indian land. We are, we're, we have native American history and, um, I'm actually a card carrying member of the Lakota Sioux tribe. 
um, to look at me. You wouldn't know that. That's a longer story. But uh, my dad broke horses as a child and so then rodeoed when I was a, a kid. And so I guess the thing that people, probably nobody or very few people know about me is that I actually did some barrel racing when I was very young. And so if you don't know what barrel racing is, you can look it up, but um, it's a lot of fun. And uh, I haven't, of course, haven't done it in, you know, however many years, but uh, yeah, so that's something you're not going to see on my, my LinkedIn profile or, or probably mentioned anywhere uh, is that I did as a kid, I did some barrel racing. That is so cool. No, I didn't know that. And I didn't know that you had um, that ancestry. Oh my gosh. How could I have known you this long and not known that? I mean, I live in Montana. And that's right. a huge part of the fabric of our culture, especially barrel racing and rodeo it's a, and powwows. And I mean, wow, that's so cool. So when you think back at a time when you were doing barrel racing, was there a moment where you felt like uncomfortable or particularly comfortable where you realized that either I love this or this is not something I want to keep doing? Oh boy, I was so young. Um, I mean, some of the memories are, are are pretty pretty foggy. Sometimes it was like, oh, guess what? This competitor didn't show up. Joel, you can you can ride, you know, because I think I was so little. I think I was so young that maybe I wasn't supposed to be. But you know, there are these little bitty rodeos out in these little bitty towns and mm-hmm. and, and whatever. Um, I, mean, I just remember, I just remember how cool it was, um, especially when I when I did it at our hometown rodeo. Um, you know, people in the stands are just screaming and yelling for you because you're, you're, you know, you're little and you're, um, and you're on this horse and you're going as fast as fast as you can, which may or may not have been fast. I have no idea. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> do you have one um, horse name that sticks out in your head? Uh, well, my horse's name was Bullet. Oh, because that's Bullet, awesome. because because Bullet was very fast and Bullet was was pretty uncontrollable. As a matter of fact, uh, I, I spent. I spent a lot of time picking myself up off the ground, not when I was racing, but when we were working cattle or whatever, because Bullet would uh, would you know decide that Bullet wasn't going to go that direction, and I was going the other direction. <laughs> I have to tell you, when when I think about horses, I think about when I was a camp counselor and we had horses and we'd go on trail rides, and there were two big horses. They weren't big; they were short, almost like ponies. And um, they were called Pete and Repeat. They were brothers. And it was like riding a moving couch. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. I will never forget those two horses. Those are the best kind of, of trail riding horses that you can put any person on and the horse mm-hmm. is just going to follow the horse in front of them. I, I did that as well. I, I actually led those kinds of rides um, at summer camp when I was in college. Um, and so because I had that because I had that horse history, that's how I got that job. So that's so cool. That's so cool. Oh, I love that. There's something about um, spending time with horses that's just so therapeutic. And I, I understand why so many people get into that and, and find so much comfort in it. That's oh, awesome. Wow. Okay. That's something I didn't know about. There you, you. go. Yeah. A little something, a little something new. Either, I, you know, cool. it, it's, it, I'm a big onion. There's a lot of layers. <laughs> 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 yeah, I think we all are, but most people don't know it. They think they're transparent or they think that uh, everybody knows everything about them until we start digging or peeling, I guess, in this case. Yeah. Yeah, boy. I, yeah. The last 18 months, I could, I, I definitely, definitely feel that. Definitely feel yeah. that finding out all kinds of new things about myself for sure. 
Do you think, well, let's, let's actually kind of dive into that a little bit. Um, I know that you went through some uh, really tough times of realizing that you weren't happy, that you weren't satisfied in what you were doing. And you went through these 18 months of self-work and deep stuff. I'm curious now that you're working through it, you're, you're not in the thick of it anymore. There, there's always going to be a trailing of that kind of transformative work that never goes away. But when you think about what you've experienced in the last 18 months, do you think these were things that were always part of you? Or are these things that are kind of coming to you in adulthood? Because I know we change over time. And I think in the last 10 years, 12 years, a lot of the things that I'm uncovering now may not have existed in me as a kid. Mm, I think that that's a, it's, it's a good question. And I agree. We, we change and we morph and we have a, um, you know, we have different perspectives as we go through. That's why, that's why, you know, when you read ancient texts, like religious type texts that, that have, that have held meaning over time, that the reason, the reason why texts like that, whether they're religious or not, are so valuable is because every time you come to them, you're different. And so you see something different. And, and so I think, yeah, I think you might be onto something there. I do think that um, some of what I've had to uncover, and that's what I call, um, for me, I have a, I have a little catchphrase that I call it uncovery instead of recovery. Um, uh, because of, for me, it's been about uncovering things. It's been about um, pulling back the the curtain on on things that maybe I didn't even realize were, for lack of a better word, but to continue the met- metaphor of curtain, pulling the strings a little bit on that curtain right. and, and hiding things away. And um, I had to relive, <clears throat> I had to relive a number of things that I've gone through in my life, but from this vantage point. I think that that's been the that's been the big thing is I've had to sort of re recategorize or re-understand some of the things that happened to me and 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 also own that they maybe were more difficult and more scarring than what I had, you know, what I had given them credit for. That mm. they actually did hurt me much more deeply than what I had actually mm-hmm. um, thought they did. And part of that was just a self-protective measure. Right. Okay. I didn't want it. I didn't want to go. I, want, I didn't want to go as far down and deep as as what I needed to at the other times, because maybe I just couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, it might have just blown, you know, blown the world up a little bit too much. And so, yeah. So how so looking at it now, I mean, I definitely um, definitely see things with with a different perspective. I will say in my in my personal story. I'm um, part of part of what I what I realized is I wasn't feeling emotions in the moment. I wasn't actually feeling things as they happened. I was I was always you know mutating them and and holding them off and doing all. This. And now I feel things in the moment, and so that's also a whole new way of experiencing life. Um, I, I was sharing with you earlier, like I had I had this I had a beautiful meeting this morning, and then I got done with that meeting, and I was just like, "What is wrong with me?" Like I was just feeling very wrong very not right physically and, and whatever. And I just thought, oh, I'll push through, you know, I got stuff to do. Da, da, da. And then I was like, I can't. And I came home and I, and I ended up sleeping for an hour and a half. Something was, something was going on. I was processing something, mm-hmm. but I was really, but for a little bit there, I was like, what's wrong with me? You know, there was that sort of mm-hmm. fear. And it was like, okay, something is going on. 
and take care of yourself. Whereas before I probably just would have pushed through. I'd have felt, I'd have felt bad today and I'd have probably felt bad tomorrow. And I might have even felt bad Saturday because mm-hmm. I didn't deal with what was going on in this moment. But now that I'm actually in real time, most of the time, I'm able to sort of go, okay, checking in what's happening, not letting things get carried away mm-hmm. with me. Like I think most of us do. We let, we let our emotions take us down the storyline instead right. of going, well, what? Hang on. And all these reasons for being right yeah. where you are rather than just experiencing it in the moment. Yeah. Oh, it's because I did this, or it's because of this conversation, or it's because I didn't do, or I haven't eaten, or yeah, you have all these uh justifications for not feeling well, whether that's emotional or physical. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then then the resulting storyline, which is like, well, what's wrong with you? That, you know, instead of instead of not, you know, not what's going on with me? What's wrong with me? <laughs> right. Like those are two very different things. In judgment, right. Right. right yeah. Exactly. That, that one or zero, our brain loves one or zero good or bad. You know, we love to judge immediately. Um, you know, we get up in the morning, we look in the mirror well, the first thing we think isn't, Oh my gosh, you look amazing. <laughs> you know, like, it's what usually are those dark circles. You're right. It's eyes. something else usually. <laughs> right. Or, or whatever, you know, yeah. and it's, it's a, a judgment of some, of some sort. So, yeah. Right. Well, let's, let's back up a little. Um, I feel like we're kind of being a little um, cagey uh, about what this experience was for you. And, uh, you know, as deep as you want to go, I, I know you've been sharing a lot of this through your podcast and through your new um, blogging that you've been doing. So um, let's tell the audience a little bit about this journey so that they understand, first of all, why you started to peel back the layers and then um, how you were able to get to the point where you check in with yourself now rather than either letting it simmer or letting it explode because it's it's often one or the other. Yeah, yeah. Well, so um, I, I have a podcast episode that I dropped in January called 16 Months and Counting. And it is it sort of it sort of regales the story of, and I'll tell a little bit of it here. Um, but what's interesting about that podcast is it's also 16 minutes long. So that's a very strange oh, little conversion of things that, <laughs> convergence of things that happened there. But mm-hmm. so, um, so that was in January 16th. So 16 months prior to, to January, September 12th, um, whatever that would have been now, 2020. I'm, I've, I've lost so much time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, uh, through, a, uh, through another interesting convergence of events, I'm a, I'm, I play golf and that is, it's one thing that has been a real gift to me, especially over the past four or five years, just to have the grass under my feet, um, blue sky up above my head, chasing a little white ball around a beautiful park. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's something that, that gives me life. Um, for those of you that don't, what they don't like golf and all the environmental impact, I get you, I feel you. Um, I do not ride a cart. I walk. Um, it's very much a beautiful thing. And I, and I just happened to, I happened to get into a golf tournament and then get paired with, um, um, a, a New York times bestselling golf author. His name is Tom Coyne. And we just happened to get paired together and we won the damn thing. Um, we won the tournament and I didn't know much about Tom before then. I didn't know that he was this New York times bestselling author. I didn't know that his MFA project had been turned into a movie. I didn't know, you know, I mean, I just didn't, and I just kept wondering why people kept bugging him all the time. 
like I knew he was a writer and I knew he was part of the organization that was hosting this event. I mean, I knew that, but I didn't realize like that he was this thing. Right. right. So I started reading his books and his books are, um, his books are really interesting. They're not, they're sort of about golf, but they're not really about golf. They're really mostly about him. And, and, and so it's really lovely. And in one of the, in, 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 in the two of the books that I read, one is called um, a course called Ireland, where he literally walks all of the Lynx courses in Ireland, walks to them and from them, and then walks them in Ireland. So just imagine he's he's walking. His shoes are a major character in the book. It's really a fascinating <laughs> book. Um, he's still drinking then. Mm-hmm. So this is part of it. It's like trying to find the perfect pint in Ireland. Then the next book is called A Course Called Scotland, where he does a similar thing in Scotland, but you can't walk to all the Lynx courses in Scotland because there's just too many. And but what he reveals in that book, and I'm, I won't take away because the book is worth reading, is, is that um, between the time of the two books, he, um, he begins his recovery journey. He realizes he's a, an, an alcoholic and nearly dies. And, and he comes back from that. And it was in that book, as I was reading it, that for whatever reason, there were a number of things converging in my life at that time. And I was like, you know, I think I need to quit drinking. Um, I've been involved, you know, this um, through my through my work, I've been involved with um, Narcotics Anonymous and Alcoholics Anonymous for two or three decades and not not as a not as a person in recovery, but as someone who supports people in recovery and and has provided space for for meetings to happen. And and so so I'm not an alcoholic, but I just didn't like where drinking was going after reading his story. I was like, you know, I'm done. Like, I'm just just done. I'm not going to drink anymore. And. I didn't realize what kind of um, inner storm that was going to set off. The not drinking for me was easy. I quit. No big deal. I mean, there's only a few times when I think now, God, it'd be nice to, you know, when, the other night mm-hmm. it was really nice on, out, on the, and out on our deck in the evening. I thought, man, it'd be nice to be able to pour a drink and just sit out here. And I was like, well, I can. It's just not going to have, it's not going to be whiskey, you know, <laughs> like right. that's the difference, right? right? Something with so, in it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. There's got to be something, something different. So I, so I quit drinking and then that, that just kicked off this emotional sort of thing because I didn't have, I didn't have any, I had zero coping mes- mechanisms left because that I, I was using alcohol as a, as a coping mechanism. Um, for all kinds of things, for social situations I didn't want to be in, for, uh, you know, when, when I would get sad, I would drink, when I would get mad, when I would get angry, when I would be angry, I would drink. Um, I really, I really believe that um, in my life as I was raised and then, and then through my relationships, I'd really been taught that it wasn't okay to be angry. And um, I've had a lot of not great things happen to me in my life that I've been very angry about, but I haven't been able to express it. And so drinking helped with that because it was able to cover that up and sort of keep that at bay. Sometimes it would unleash it rarely, but sometimes it would. And so I had to de- I had to start dealing with that. And I had to deal with what we would now call some of the trauma from my, from my young adulthood. And and really just face it. Like I, I had to deal with it. So I, you know, everybody's going, well, did you do therapy? Yes. I got into therapy. Um, I did all that, but it was, it, it was, um, the first year was, I, I just call it brutal because I, I said to my wife a number of times, and I've told you this, if this is how I'm going to feel from now on, I'm going back to drinking because that was better. 
it, mm. it was a lot better. But thank thank God for a couple of friends who are long term people that are in the program. Um, I didn't do any AA meetings. I knew they weren't for me. I didn't do NA meetings. I knew they weren't for me. Um, I very much did this sort of, you know, on my own, typical Joel Morgan on his own, um, with my therapist and, and, you know, with friends, but there are a couple of times when I called some good friends that are in the program, I just said, okay, here's what's going on. And what do you, you know, do you have any advice or do you just, what do you, what do you, what do you hear? And they would be like, listen, no guarantees, but this is how it goes. Like you feel bad and then you feel better. Here are the stages yep. that I you went You feel through. bad and right. then you're going to feel better. Now, how much better? I don't know. It's not, you know, for some of us, it's like, woohoo. And for others of us, it's like, well, I feel better. And, and you sort of begin to live your life. And, and so at about 12 months in, I started to feel a little better, but it wasn't great. There wasn't, you know, um, but I began to feel better. And then at, at month 16, I had a real breakthrough. I just, um, and in the, in the podcast, people can listen to that. Uh, the, the, um, session I had with my therapist that month, the night before I did some, I was meditating and I just realized that, um, I could actually feel things. Um, and, and I hadn't really felt things for a long, 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 long time. And, and it was a real freedom, but that also then cascaded into a real reevaluation of my life mm-hmm. and where, where was I, what was I doing? Why am I doing it? Who am I trying to please? Um, everything from what I do for my work and my life to, um, to my marriage, um, to the relationships I have with my family, everything um, was on the table in terms of reevaluation. And um, that is not, that is not for the faint of heart. No, Um, I don't, I don't encourage anybody just to jump right into that conversation with, with (laughs) the person that you've been with for 30 years. Um, I mean, I I didn't just jump into it, but, (laughs) but we, but we, but we jumped into it and boy, Mm -hmm. it was, um, it was really enlightening. Uh, and it was, um, humbling and, um, and the way it turned out is we are, we are probably more in love or as in love as we ever have been. And, and our relationship is as honest and brutal and beautiful and loving as it's been in a long, long time. And I'm, I'm amazingly grateful for that because I had to go through all that other stuff in order to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that's so that's that's sort of the long and the short of it. I mean, it's a long story. But. Well, we can use curtains, or we could use the the onion analogy that you just keep on peeling away those layers. And I think it's important to acknowledge why it was necessary. I mean, there was the the that self awareness, taking inventory, almost two years ago, of this is not right. My life isn't what I want it to be. It's just not. And then choosing that hard path that we that you just kind of tickled the edges of of um, reevaluating your life because then you once you understand it and you've taken that inventory, then you have to start making choices. And those choices are not easy choices. You it, the way that I like to describe it to my clients that I work with uh, around that discovering clarity course is you're kind of, you're standing at a doorway and the door is wide open. Now that you realize 
that you're unhappy or dissatisfied and that you you are so uncomfortable that you're ready to at least consider that there's something else out there that that this isn't the end of it otherwise what's the purpose and whether you're depressed or suicidal or whatever you're standing at that doorway with the reality in front of you of opportunity and behind you is the institution you've always known and even if you are i mean you if you're not ready to take a step into the unknown, all of the millions of opportunities that are in front of you in this wide open space. I like, I think I described this with an image in my head of big sky country because I live in Montana and right. stepping out to the summit of a mountain and just big sky. There's so much of nothing out there and so much of everything out there. But so many people, they're just not ready, even though they have started to peel away those layers or tickle the curtains. And they turn around, they go back into the institution. And I I have no judgment for that. At the same time, that institution is often abusive or you're neglecting yourself, even if others aren't necessarily neglecting you. Um, There are all kinds of institutional things, the baggage that you're going back into because it's too hard to make the choices that you have to make to step forward and leave that behind. And I think it's so important to understand that you don't have to leave it all behind. There are aspects of it that are keepers like you and your wife and having that conversation. So what would you say to that? Where, where does that conversation take you as I, as I was speaking? Well, so it reminds me of something that I wrote um, in my book every single day is one of the writings talks about when did, when did the edge of the rut become the horizon? Oh. You know, that, that sort of thing. Cause it's just so easy. You, you get in this groove and whether it's the groove of your relationships or the groove of your work or the groove of, of, you know, your body, the groove of whatever it is. Um, and, and that becomes, you know, that, that, that rut becomes, you know, you look up and you're like, oh, there's the horizon. No, it's not. You're in a hole and you've got to really, you've got to do a lot of work to pull yourself up. And then I've often used the metaphor. It's like, then, but then you pull yourself up and you get up there and none of the landmarks are there. Like you're, you're, you you know, it's like, it's like my, my brother-in-law did a lot of work in China and Japan. And he would say, you know, you, you get in the big cities in China and Japan and I, he, he didn't know the language. He couldn't read it. And so he's, everything looks the same. You don't know. You never know where you are. Thank God for Google maps or whatever he was using back in the day, you know, because, because you don't know where you are because nothing is familiar and everything looks the same. And that's, and I sort of look at that when the landscape opens up, it's like, Oh, there's this beautiful Vista, but I have no idea where I am. Right. I've, right. Other than other than I'm standing on this spot, but I have no idea where I am, and so that's very disconcerting. Um, and I'm, in a sense, I'm I'm working through some of that right now. Yeah, that that yeah. I'm looking at these vistas, and I'm and I'm going, man, that I really that, that sounds really <laughs> interesting. That sounds really really like could be really great to do to be part of whatever. And then there are, there are parts of it that are, um, you know that that cause you to clench your sphincter you know you're like oh, can, can, do i think i can actually do this thing like yeah. i'm gonna go you know like they want me to meet they want me to they want me to lead a thing with the board of directors of this multinational company in order to get this job 
um, okay, sure. <laughs> You know, like, I haven't well, done that for years, you know, or whatever. My friend and, Whitney Johnson calls it the P to E ratio right? in her book, Disrupt Yourself, the puke to excitement ratio of yeah. seeing that vista and being so excited about it, but terrified about taking that step. Or are we going to fail? Are we going to trip? And um, there are two things that popped into my head as you were saying that. And one was a blues song I started writing years ago that I never finished, but something my husband said. It's a fine line between a rut and a groove. <laughs> that is actually absolutely right. Right. And then the other thing I was thinking is um, with some of my coaching clients that I've worked with, the first thing I remind them is that they aren't in this alone. And it's so critical. As much as I take things on my own and you take things on your own, we are raised to do that, to be independent. But if we're doing it all on our own, we are not giving our partners and our dearest friends and our closest relatives the opportunity to come along with us on this journey. It's not fair to them because we're leaving them behind without explanation. Yeah. And I've seen that happen again and again. And it's part of why I talk to my husband when I'm going through these transformations. And if he's not listening, I make him listen. Like, no, I, this is really important to me and I need you to hear me and not say anything. And then in a couple days, then maybe we can talk about it after you've processed what I'm saying to you right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, my, um, my second strength and my strengths finder is relator. And, and so I, I, I need deep connection on a regular basis and I've, I've, well, it's it's interesting because in our world, um, we toss around the word or we'll say something about someone, especially females, not males so much, but, you know, oh, she's really needy. Oh. She's really needy. Well, yes, there are people who are overwhelmingly, you know, they, they just are. High we all know them. Right. High maintenance in that real true sense of it. Mm -hmm. But um but here's the, 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 the fact of the matter is, and this is in my study of attachment theory that I've really dug into recently, is in one, in one of the seminal books, they talk about how because the word codependence came out of the addiction community, basically that sort of addictive codependent relationship, mm -hmm. we have poo-pooed dependence. But the fact of the matter is, is that we were biologically made to be dependent on each other. I mean, evolutionarily, we didn't survive because we were the lone wolf, right? right? We survived because we, we came together and we protected each other and we, you know, we, 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 we did those sorts of things. And so we do need each other. And so I've often been, I've often like felt bad because I like to reach out to people regularly and, and you just have a text conversation or have a conversation or, or whatever. Like I, that's, that's a deep, need of mine to feel like I'm connected with the, the people that I'm, you know, close to. And, but for years and years and years, I always felt like, well, I'm, I'm too much. That's too much. Mm -hmm. They, they don't want this. And maybe they, maybe they, maybe they don't need it, but the, the people who are really my friends and my closest colleagues, like they get it. They understand, you know, that this is, this is something they can give me relatively easily that helps me, you know, get, get through the day. And so I'm, and so 
coming through this time, like I've with you and then working through some of this other attachment theory stuff and some of that, I've realized that's a deep need of mine. And so I've reached out to friends and said, Hey, I understand this is something that I need. And so would you partner with me in this? Mm. You know, mm. would you be willing, even if, you know, if you're thinking of me, just say, Hey, text me and say, thinking of me, thinking of you. Like, and it's so interesting because I just, I, men, um, and I'm a white heterosexual male, so I'll just own that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, men, you know, of my ilk are really taught, or at least in our culture, that that is not cool. You know, you're not supposed to need people. You're not supposed to, that is not how we relate. But it's been really interesting that the number of of people that I've reached out to and said, hey, this is something that would be really nice. And they're like, you know, that would be cool for me too. Would you do that for me too? You know, it's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we've created this little dynamic and, and we don't, and it may not be that we even respond right, to that, but it's just like, Hey, I'm thinking of you today. Hope everything's going well, you know, and they might get a mm-hmm. thumbs up or something, but you know what I mean? Just that sort of thing. And then that leads to more regular, deeper communication. Mm-hmm. And, and um, I'm not even sure how we got on all this, but that's, um, but that's, <laughs> that's, that is definitely something that I have had in, in learning how mm-hmm. to navigate more is is how to um, be more forthright about what I need in in relationships, you know, um, right. in friendships and all of that. And that's been the beautiful thing about for my wife and I is we've both been able to be much. Not, we've never been dishonest. I don't want to put it that way, but much more clear about and in the moment about what we want and what we need and, and how something lands with us, because we just decided we're not content to let anything, to let anything build up again, if we can mm-hmm. help it. Well, it, this actually brings us full circle because when I was saying that it's so important to bring others along for that ride, right? I mean, um, first of all, you have to know what in your life is satisfying, before you start peeling back those layers of what's dissatisfying, figure out what what is bringing you happiness wherever you're finding it, because it's there. We just are so quick to think about all the things that are wrong, and that's actually coming all the way full circle. That's a Stephen Meglin conversation right. um, from our interview a couple of years ago. Um, it's so easy for our brains to go to what's wrong, but if we take a few moments every day to figure out a couple things that brought us some some level of satisfaction, even when it's hard to find because we're in a shitty place. Um, for me, it's, oh my gosh, I, I planted this little daffodil bulb in my front yard. I did not think it was going to come up because I kill things. And, and there's this little green bulb coming up through the ground. And I find that highly satisfying. And sometimes that's all I'm going to find that day. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> right, there, right. you know, there are some days like that. But as far as bringing people along with you, some won't. And I had right. to. I worked with a client who finally started talking to her husband about this personal growth she was going through and the satisfaction journey she was going through. Um, what makes me satisfied? What is draining me? Um, and she finally decided to share these things with him in a way that he could understand. And, and I was encouraging her that way as her coach saying, it's not fair to judge him about what he's not doing or what he is doing without telling him why it matters. And they did end up splitting up. 
And she knew that she gave him the opportunity to come with her. She didn't just dismiss 30 years of marriage. They had been married almost 30 years. So sometimes they're going to choose not to come with you on that journey. And again, and and sometimes you're going to choose not to have them on your journey if they're not healthy for you. If you find that they are a key aspect of your dissatisfaction, absolutely. I wouldn't encourage you to stay with somebody who drags you down at the same time making judgments without giving them the opportunity to to answer and to be for be for you the way that your friends have been for you when it comes to that relator of yours. Yeah. So I love that you said that and especially with men and I think um given the the current rise in crime, violent crime in our country and the dangers that we're experiencing right now it's more and more important to say that to people, hey, I'm thinking of you and and have that feeling of connection. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I had this uh, conversation with a client the other day, a male client, um, you know, just how how confusing it seems to be to be um, to be a man today, um, especially a heterosexual male. Like we're just it's I don't because we can't he and I can't talk talk from another perspective. Right. So, you know, we're not going to, but just saying to be, to be that kind of, because it's, it's like, well, you're, you're supposed to be tough and you're supposed to provide and you're supposed to do all this, this stuff. And you're so, but yet there's this deep need to have these closer relationships. And so how do you, bri- how do you bridge that gap, mm-hmm. especially not knowing if you're just going to get full on rejected, you know, are you, uh, how, when, how do we develop that kind of, um, you know, spiritual strength or soul strength to be able to be like, okay, I'm going to risk it with this person. And if they, and if they just are like, whatever, dude, then, you know, you can, you're like, okay, well that not for me, you know, that, 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 that's just, that person's not there and that's okay. Cause I think that's the other thing is it's really, um, that's, what's one of the things that, um, who was it that said it? I think maybe it was, maybe it was Seth Godin said something about if something doesn't hit you, you know, in a certain way or, or whatever you look at something, then why, why can't you just go, well, apparently that's not for me. That's right. for somebody else. You right. know, I'm, that, I'm not the audience for that. Yeah, I'm not the I, audience for that. I say that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I find Especially myself doing friends the same. Who write a book or write a song. And I'm like, huh, I, I can appreciate how much work went into this and yeah. being able to say, I'm not your audience. Yeah. You know who yeah. gave me the best lesson? I have to I have to share this. It was my husband, Bob, gave me this amazing lesson on that topic. When I was about to release my book in May of 2020, and we were having our a launch out on the mountain behind my house with a, a bunch of my friends were going to show up. Everything was outdoors, of course, because it was May of 2020. Right. And it also, I scheduled it on our anniversary because he has been such an integral part of my cheerleader section, right? He's, he's the one that has always supported me and thinks that I'm magical. So I scheduled it on that. And on the 30th, we're sitting in front of the TV, we're trying to, you know, decompress. And I realized I had never shown him even a chapter of that book before I had them, the paper copies in my hand. He never read a single sentence of that book. I never shared it with him. And I said to him, I just realized how hurtful that might've been to you, that I never asked for your advice. I never asked for your feedback on this. And I've been having these terrible exposure nightmares. 
where I'm trying to take a shower and I'm like, I have shampoo in my hair and suddenly there's no curtain and people are walking by. And so bad sometimes that I would wake up with my chest heaving, (gasps) like freaked out from these horrible exposure dreams. And I said to him, I just realized part of why I've had these awful nightmares. It's because I haven't showed you any of this. And I'm afraid you're not going to like my book. I'm afraid you're going to read it and think I'm not magical anymore. Like, what if you don't like my book? And you know what he said? (laughs) And I knew this, but I had to hear it from from his voice. He said, Sarah, I might not like your book. And that's okay because I'm probably not your audience. And it was just this, oh, this huge sense of relief. Like, oh, that's that's right. And if my brother doesn't like my book, that's okay because maybe he's not my audience. It was uh, so hearing you say that just brought back that flood of relief, that sense of relief. So I hope listeners hear this right now. If you take nothing else from this conversation, take that piece. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, whatever you're doing, whatever you're offering to the world isn't for the isn't for everybody. Because you're a unique individual with a unique perspective and whatever you're bringing um is is has that all over it, has that DNA in in and throughout it and some people just aren't going to resonate with that. Just like I mean, you and I've talked about this too. Like sometimes you you walk into an event and there are just people and, you know, and people will talk about the, the resonance and the, and the polarity that we carry around and the aura and all of that, if you want to get into all that, but they're just people that you, you get in their physical presence and you're like, I do not like you. And yeah. nobody said a word, you know, right. nobody, there's not, there's, there's nothing They you know, they don't smell funny. They're dressed fine, they, whatever, but you're just right. like, I, I, I do. Yeah. There's this something about right. you, you know, and then there are other people like you get in their presence and, and, and you're like, oh my God, did we have the same mother? You know, like, <laughs> and you haven't even had any shared a word with them either. You know, like, it's just, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. And I think that's, that's sort of what happens. Like there are lots of big name coaches, big name, um, you know, online kind of personalities that, um, I have friends that just, Oh my gosh, have you read such and such and so and so have you done this? And I'm, and I was like, yeah. And I hate him, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like not for me. I'm glad, I'm glad that that gets you fired up and whatever, but, but basically to me, I find it, I find it really not good. And so I have to leave it alone, you know? So it's, it, it, it's interesting, like being able to, being able to have, I guess we, some, someone called the ego strength to be able to do that. I mean, for your husband to be able to say to you, now, Sarah, it is okay if I don't like it, because guess what? What, cause what he didn't say, but he did say was because I love you mm. and that's not going to change. And he said, I'm so proud that you wrote and published a book. Yeah. It doesn't have to be for me. Yeah. 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 Oh my that's, gosh. That's that just beautiful. gave me a chill. So that, and it, again, this is all related to this whole idea of peeling back those layers and being exposed and then connecting with people in a way that feels right and, and solid. And there's always going to be that, that hesitation and that misstep. But when somebody like our first conversation, I remember our first conversation 
And if I could have hugged you through Zoom, I would have hugged you before we left. And, and I feel that way about quite a few of my podcast guests. My friend, Michelle Talbert, never met her in person. She is a powerhouse. And I know the moment I see her, we are going to hug and it's going to be rich. I mean, she may be, I, I have no idea. She may be six feet tall and she'll have to bend over. I don't know. Cause I'm five foot <laughs> right. two, right, right, right. <laughs> but it's not going to stop us. And um, there's something so powerful about that, especially when you're in that, that transformation place and you're considering stepping out of that doorway away from the institution, making sure that your tribe is out there somewhere. You, you're just going to have to find them and be vulnerable enough to, to say, hey, I need to check in with you periodically. I need you to yeah. check in with me periodically. Yeah. From, the, from a very young age, I always felt like an outsider. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I still, that's still something I think it's sort of wired into me that that's, that that's, that in some ways, that's my, that's my unique lens on the world is I'm able to see things from vantage points that often people aren't willing to consider because they're so they, because they're invested on, on being on the inside. And I'm always, I'm, I'm often thinking about, well, what, what is somebody who doesn't understand this or doesn't get this? What are they feeling? What are they seeing? Whatever. And so it's, so it's been, so it's, so it's interesting then to begin to try to create that tribe, try to find that tribe when, when, if the people who are some, a little bit sort of the tribe all have always felt like outsiders, <laughs> how, do we, well, how do we develop insiders? You know? <laughs> Joel, I have to interrupt you because that's exactly what the session was about that on at no longer virtual this year in Park City, Utah, just a few weeks ago. Um, and it was Luke Freeman, Hannah Bratterud and Sarah Blewett. They did this awesome session on belonging. Mm. And what we talked about was most people feel like outsiders. I have had one person in the hundreds of people that I've interviewed on my podcast and had coaching sessions with, I've had one person that said, I was on the inside. I totally fit in. I had to get the hell out. Mm. I didn't want to fit in. I needed to do something different. Only one, every single other person, when this subject comes up, they say, I've never really fit in. And part of the session, and I was hesitant about this session because I'm so practical. I'm all about how are we going to scale our businesses? How are we going to you know, do who's a bookkeeper and, and how are we going to you know, use our strengths to the best advantage? And who are we going to hire? I'm all about that. So this whole session on belonging, I was like, oh, you know, is this going to be relevant to me? And holy shit, was it relevant? Oh, yeah. And the key thing here to come out of it for me was that there is a difference, a huge distinction between fitting in and belonging. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good distinction. Definitely. Well, and then you, you and I both know in the business world, you know, with, with um, diversity, equity, and inclusion work, we're, we're, we're adding that word belonging onto it, DEIB. And I think that's really important because you people need to feel, and that's, and that's where I think that's where my strong affinity for that work comes is because I'd never felt like I belonged at the table. Mm. I always felt like I was the outsider at the table, even though, even though if you looked at me, 
I should have been at every table, right? I was at every right. table. And right. if you just take the stereotype of me, but I always felt like I wasn't at the table and and that and that my voice wasn't wasn't being heard in the circles I or was valued. in or, right. or valued. And and so how do you, you know, how do you <clears throat> how do you create an environment where people really know that they will be heard? We may not do what you're gonna what you want us to do, but you're we're we're hearing you. And you, mm-hmm. you, that is, you are welcome to say this into the circle and into that, whatever that meeting is, whatever that team is, whatever. And we're, we're working on this together. That, that, that's a, there's a real, I don't want to say it's magic, but it, there, there is a real art to it. Well, I was going to say that's your magic. Oh. I, I mean, I've worked with you and your strikes finder results and that is your magic. It's absolutely what you bring to the table is when you are facilitating a discussion, a conversation that could potentially have a lot of conflict in it. That's your magic. People feel like they're seen and heard around you. Mm-hmm. And, and you understand, you, you lead with empathy. You absolutely have no doubt about how someone is feeling. You sense that and you observe it and you find ways to help them check in with their own feelings, which oftentimes they, they won't do, or they don't know how that is absolutely your magic. So go ahead and use the word magical okay, <laughs> because, all right, all right. because you are, that is a, a unique, <laughs> uh, you know, it's the thing about StrengthsFinder is that you have those top five or six that you can call on and as predictable as people can be. Once I know what their talents are, that doesn't make them any less unique or complicated. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. So that's absolutely. When I look at your strengths and your experiences and hearing your stories, I know that that's your magic. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. We're, yeah. Part of the journey right now is, is to find some other people who will get to get to see that and get to get to experience that and to spread that um, farther and wider. Right. Cause I just, I mean, as, as you and I've talked about, and we all, we all, uh, you know, this word is big everywhere now making an impact, but for me, you know, creating that kind of, um, you know, in the industries, it's called psychological safety. I like the word relational trust a little bit better, but psychological safety is a little more, you know, businessy, I guess. Um, <laughs> practical, practical, um, <laughs> But it really is about relational trust that in, in the relationships that you have around those tables that people trust one another, it just, that it just, it, that ripple effect gets so much bigger because when you have relational trust at work, it goes back into your home. It mm-hmm. goes back into your community. It goes back into, if you have children, your, your kid's school, it goes into whatever organizations you're part of it. Just that, that ripple effect. I was having a conversation with a woman this morning who's part of a, um, a company that came out of, an, of, a, of another company where they do values-based leadership. And she said, it changed my life because I, I, I figured out what I really valued. And that caused me to get more involved in my church community. And then I was able to do all these things. And I think, I mean, and I think her values are like compassion and justice and wish I could remember the other one and her, her church, which happens to be a Unitarian Universalist church is all about that stuff. And so she ended up being president of their board. And I mean, she's, you know, so she, she went like, imagine the ripples if she she doesn't, if she doesn't have that experience of trust at her work, what you know, that, that might not have happened in the rest of her life, you know, and you just go, that is, that's what's so cool about, about 
doing this kind of work that that I get to be a part of is because then you get to see it's not just about I mean the bottom line yes it it helps the bottom line mm-hmm. it it just does mm-hmm. um, because when people feel more connected at work they do better work mm-hmm. they're better connected with with whatever your customers are they make better products they do all of the things better without having to put a ton more hours in necessarily but mm-hmm. then it just has all this ripple effect outside of that you know there's so much so. less drama involved oh my gosh yeah, yeah. so um yes let's let's kind of pull this back and wrap this up just when I think about this conversation, what I keep coming back to is this idea of peeling back those layers for ourselves so that we can find our lives again, find where we're satisfied, find where we're dissatisfied and drained, and make conscious changes in our lives and bringing those that we care about with us if they want to come along for the ride. And then um, it, it also comes back to this idea that we can we have the potential to create that zone for others and as a coach we have to do the work ourselves we can't be good coaches if we're not doing the work on ourselves and i think that's part of what has transformed you as a coach in the last 2 years is doing this peeling back these layers reaching out to people uh, that's one of the questions that i would ask if I were somebody looking for a coach, whether that's a life coach, a business coach, or whatever kind of training you're looking for, I would ask the person that I'm considering hiring, who are you seeing? Right. When was the last time you worked with somebody to improve your skills and to grow as a human? Because if we're not doing the work ourselves, we, we can't consciously, we can't, well, we can, but I, I just don't think that the power is there. It's just not the same experience. Well, I, def- I mean, I definitely think that there are, um, well, just like with anything, like in golf, like there, there, are, there are definitely times when having a coach to look at things and to help you and to work with you and to be a support for you is, is absolutely essential. And that's usually a, a few times a year, like if you're a golfer, like you just ought to have somebody check in and see how it's going, especially if you're a regular player, you know, you just make sure your technique is is working. And is there, is there something that you're that snuck in on you that whatever, you know, and so, and so to just have that dynamic of you're always open to it. Um, you may not always be actively like pounding it out week after week after right. week with, with somebody, <laughs> right. But yeah, but, but, um, but uh, yeah, but I completely agree, you know, whether it's, whether it's a therapist, whether it's, you know, um, a a very strategic kind of consultant, you know, helping you with your funnel or whatever, you know, you gotta, you gotta work on or whether, or whether it is, um, you know, the, the, you know, um, more just that like life satisfaction kind of coaching, like what's going on, what's happening, how are you strategizing? Mm -hmm. What is, what is all of that about? I think all of those things are very important. And I, and I like that question, like, especially if you're going to, if you're going to work with somebody like, well, who's, who's, who, who has coached you and sort of where are you at in your journey with that right now? Mm-hmm. I think it's a great question for people to ask. One of the things that I, I do want to say about pulling back the onion is, and I've said this to you many times, is that one of the things in pulling, in peeling back the onion is that um, you just popped off one time in one of our sessions you're, you're often discontent, aren't you? And I was like, (laughs) yeah, I am. And she's like, and and she, you were like, 
because uh, I've told the story many times to other people. That's why I said she. Um, you said you said it's in your strengths. It's actually in your strengths that you 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 when you're with people, you're totally hundred percent with them. Like you're you're not anywhere else. You're right there when you when you get through a project, like you celebrate it, but then you're like, okay, what's next? And and I've all and I and I said and and that was and that's been really freeing to me. That's what working with a coach. That's where a coach can help you is because then because that was one of the things I was always really I couldn't figure out like why why can't I ever just be happy with things because I'm not. I mean I am in the moment, but then but 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 now I now when I'm discontent, I can go okay. That's just in my strengths. What's going on? What do I, what is it that I need to work on? What is it that, what is it that I'm sort of looking at? And now I can sort of be more content in the discontent, if that makes sense. <laughs> it totally makes sense. Right. I can, I can let it work. Mm-hmm. I can let it do its magic so that then whatever that is, you know, is, is better. And I just think that's peeling back the onion. Like it wasn't like I went, oh, well now I can just be content. No, I'm, I'm as discontent as I ever was, but I'm, <laughs> but, but, but I understand it in such a different way now. Um, it's become it's become a gift rather than a than a shadow in that way. Thank you. Oh yeah. my gosh, thank you so much. That that is so big. Uh, just hearing that from you, just okay. I'm glowing over here. Good, good. And not just because of my role in that in that part of your onion peeling, um, but because I know what a difference that can make to reframe something that you thought was wrong with you as part of what makes you so good at what you do, being able to lean into your other talents because that only happens when you're only leaning into the one talent you're, I mean, you're going to be discontent all the time, but when it's really painful is because you're not looking at your other talents, you're not using them. So being able to hear that story, just I'm glowing. Yeah, good. No, no, no. And I, and, I, and, I, and I've told that, I've told that a bunch just because it's really been, it really, and I have to remind myself about it because it just, it's really been a gift uh, to be able to go, okay, I'm discontent. What's going on? Let me sort of check in on things. And mm-hmm. is this, is this that there is something wrong or is this just me working on what's next? Like I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm the, I'm the president from West Wing, you know, okay, we got done with that. What's next? Exactly. And that's just where I am, you know? So. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) And it's part of what makes you so good at what you do. Mm. So Joel, just um, before we wrap this up, can you share with our listeners where they can get a hold of you? What is your favorite kind of work to do with your clients? Um, And, and don't worry, listeners, we will have all of these links in the blog post associated with the podcast, the show notes on elkinsconsulting.com for this episode. Yeah. So, I mean, people can email me. Happy to have people email me. Joel at joelmorgan.com. It's pretty simple. I'm um, I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me there. Um, and I'm at joelmorgancc on Instagram and on Facebook. Um, though I'm not as active on Facebook as I you know might be. I'm, um, anyway, that's another thing. But um, so yeah, that's, that's sort of where they find me, joelmorgan.com and then dropping keys, the podcast, just look that on Spotify, Apple, wherever you do podcasts, I should show up. Um, and I encourage you to, to listen to 16 months and counting. Um, mm-hmm. cause that's, that'll sort of give you a picture of, of that whole, that entire, um, that entire story. And then the kind of work that I like to do, I think I, I think in terms of coaching one-on-one coaching work, the work that I really love to do is I really love to work with people who 
are at just at some sort of transitional stage in in their work or in their life and their career, and maybe even all that balled up into one. Um, because it's so much fun to go from one session where we're strategizing what the next step is in somebody's business. And then the next session, we're talking about how to how to make their how 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 to make their relationship with themselves or with their their lover or whatever better. Like those are those are just mm-hmm. fun. There's, it's just so invigorating to to be doing that. And then and then I love to work with leadership teams um, to to come around their mission and to come around their values and to come around how they can really. Um, build their culture in a way where people know that they belong and they can do their best work. They can deal with the hard stuff and they can really make an impact with whatever their business is. And then out into that, I love that kind of work. Wonderful. I, I definitely see you as a master facilitator when it comes to the, that kind of work with teams. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I would love to be a fly on the wall at one of those, at one of those sessions. Joel, thank you so much for joining me on Your Stories Don't Define You, How You Tell Them Will. It sounds like that is a perfect phrase for you right now in terms of reframing, and I'm so grateful for your time. Yeah, thank you. Are you ready to start your story portfolio so you have the right story ready to share when the opportunity presents itself? When you're ready to get started, my book, Your Stories Don't Define You, How You Tell Them Will, is available in all the regular places, and the audiobook version is available on Google Play and on my website, elkinsconsulting.com. As a special bonus for listeners, the audiobook includes two songs recorded by my band, Spare Change, in my living room in Montana. Also on my website is a free podcast interview checklist. It's available to download to make sure you make the most out of your next podcast interview. If you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to rate the podcast and leave a review and let me know that you've done it so I can thank you properly. Thank you.